Hello listeners, welcome back to the Founders Club podcast. In this episode, my guest is Giuseppe Tomazello, an Italian entrepreneur, CEO and founder at edugo.ai. Now, for full disclosure, probably you've heard about edugo.ai, but I like to share that I am a shareholder of the company. And this uh, conversation, we are going to talk about education, but also what is the problem that we try to solve at Educo and what is the technological solution that we build so far. So please, if you enjoyed this episode, share with your friends, but also subscribe to the Founders Club podcast. Thank you. Before we dive deep in our interview, just a small announcement. Now you can become a Patreon of this podcast. And as a member, you will receive exclusive content, community access, behind-the-scene updates, and the pride of fueling the work that matters to you. So, go in the link on the show notes and make your small donation and become a patron of the Founders Club podcast. Thank you. Giuseppe, welcome to the Founders Club podcast. Thank you, Giorgio, for having me. So, uh, as always, I'm looking forward to have this interesting conversation. Beside the offline conversation, we had so many times working together. Uh, and not only working together, but uh, also for me, it's always interesting to have uh, this knowledge exchange with you because... When I joined a startup, the first experience and still working with you, I'm learning a lot and I look forward for you, obviously. Uh, and I look forward to share this time, this knowledge and some of the things that I've learned during my startup experience with you, with my audience this time. It's great. Great to be here. And I'm finally, finally, we can actually share with other people. I always thought that uh, our conversation was really insightful, so I'm really happy actually to, you know, bring this to a broader audience and also get uh, people involved in this conversation. Cool. So let's start with what is the problem that uh, we at, uh, let's say, at Edugo we try to solve and why is it important, let's start, for, for, for you, first of all? Yeah. Um, so actually, the, the, um, I will start with the, the vision of the company and um, because uh, I believe that uh, the reason why we're doing the things we're doing is because we believe in something that's really deep. So the vision of our Edugo is to help humanity to unlock full potential through education. So, um, and like the mission instead, so like our actionable plan is actually to deliver personalized education for the two billion second language learners in the world. Um, and that uh, has been really important for us um, since the beginning, like when I actually founded the company. That has been actually always my, let's say, uh, passion because um, the reason why I'm really passionate about this is because I've seen over and over a lot of people that are not able to reach their full potential. So um, the reason why actually I started in languages is because uh, languages is uh, the way that people are actually learning all the other subjects. And I want to tell a story actually, when, when I was uh, in high school in Italy, um, many of my classmates, like we're studying English like uh, for many, many years, but uh, actually at the end of all the high school process, none 
of my classmates can actually like speak English. That, that was like so incredible, like almost like 100% failure of the Italian education system on teaching people a second language. And that's really frustrating because how is possible people get through like all these hours of in-class training and ended up doing knowing nothing, like not even being able to have a basic conversation. So I believe that the reason why this is happening is because the education system is broken and the traditional approaches for language teaching in schools are really old and are not actually consistent with the, what this should be the approach for teaching language. Um, so like in Italy, it's funny because we're using the approach, uh, the same approach for learning English is the same uh, used for learning uh, Latin, uh, Latin and which is the grammar translation approach. So we go and we learn like translate those uh, like James Joyce, Ulysses, uh, or like Shakespeare, like so really, really old English doesn't make any sense. People don't even understand what they're actually reading. But that's the way we're teaching English to Italian kids. And I think that's completely broken. And the outcome of this is that actually for many, many Italian people, they miss a lot of opportunities because not knowing English actually kind of don't, doesn't give them this bridge to all the knowledge that is around the world. So that's actually the, the one of the main reasons why I really want to build this company is because I think we can fix that. And actually by fixing, uh, this problem, we can help people to, you know, get a lot of knowledge and actually unlock their potential. So that's the reason why actually this is important to me. Um, and what, what, so going back to your questions, what is the problem we're solving? Right now, actually, we want to start with this revolution in the education industry from schools, because actually schools are the places where actually most of the people are learning you know, today. And so we believe that by providing like, um, you know, high uh, technology solution to schools, schools are going to be able to deliver a more personalized experience to their students. And therefore, uh, I mean, for the schools, they're going to boost their business because they're going to be more successful in teaching people. And for the students, they're going to learn faster, learn the specific things that are necessary for like unlock their potential. And also for teachers, they're going to be happier because they can, you know, do their job much better. So, so I, I believe that's the, the way we're going to achieve our mission, starting with schools. Right. So um, going more broadly to education, this is an industry that hasn't seen many changes. It hasn't been disrupted like, uh, let's say, other kind of industries. Um, so why do you think is that? And now, but, but now we're kind of assisting to uh, technical shifts in terms of uh, where this industry is going and yeah. what are changing. We're assisting because we're, we're seeing this firsthand. So by seeing this firsthand, I want to ask you, what are the changes that are happening? Maybe we can start with language education. We can go more broadly in general in education. And what is this new direction that this new reality of COVID has imposed on many businesses that uh, work in the education? Well, uh, yeah, it's really interesting actually. Right now we live in a really special moment in the history of education. I think this is going to be like uh, one of those pivotal moments where everything is going to change after that. So I believe actually things are kind of stuck uh, in the, like education didn't evolve in the past, like say like uh, 50, 100 years has been like almost the same. Like people go to a classroom, 
they have a textbook, they yeah. have like a whiteboard. Um, so that's kind of like has been the, the kind of a status quo, right? Like the, the, the education system has been stuck in this way. And I believe the reason is that the shifting, the, the, the switching costs to like a new technology, a new system is really high. So um, actually you have this kind of uh, systems where you have like, uh, you know, teachers and the school managers and uh, curriculum designers. So it's a really like a vertical structure. And uh, most of the times people don't want to change because uh, they are used to do things in a certain way. Um, and so even though like you have, uh, you know, the education industry, which is really like traditional and you have like the, you know, the world of bits or like all the digital world that is actually, uh, you know, uh, evolving and, uh, and uh, becoming growing growing really like in you know, exponential uh, because uh, like you know you have the Moore's, Moore's law that they actually like the the transistors are getting like uh, um, twice as faster every every two years actually this is actually growing exponentially but actually it seems like the education industry hasn't been like affected by those uh, exponential growth in the digital world and i think actually um covid is kind of like the trigger uh, that pushed people to actually go online. So, and the, the adoption of those technology became actually really uh, predominant during the COVID times because actually they, they didn't have any other options. So you have all these uh, teachers, you know, school managers, students that actually have to adapt to these new technologies. Um, and I believe that this adoption uh, also for this long period of time, because it's going to be like one year, two years, who knows how long will last this uh, crisis, is going to really change the user um, experience. So people actually will learn how to use those tools. And finally, the adoption of those tools become like really predominant in the industry and therefore is going to change the industry for forever because there are a lot of uh, like benefits by using the technology into learning. Right, so yeah, I think like one of the challenges we see is the adoption of new technologies when, for instance, in our case, when we talk with different language schools is that there are different stakeholders that have to use or have to change their, let's say, habits uh, their even beliefs or their even routines, like the way they used to do things. Uh, and those like habits, routines and beliefs are really hard to change, like more intrinsic, like human behavior. It's, it's, a, it's a bit harder to change, even though the technology is there and it's good. It takes time. But I think as, as, as we are assisting right now, this is an inevitable change to some degree. And uh, staying in the optic of change and talking about change, do many of these traditional uh, brick and mortar language schools need to also rethink their business model itself? And if so, how? Exactly. So actually the change is going to happen at different stages, I believe. So it's not going to be like uh, just before and after COVID, but I think there are going to be different phases. So first of all, actually, I agree with you that uh, the change is difficult because people need to take time for people to adopt new technologies. And actually, uh, you know, there is uh, these uh, adop adoption cycles. Um, so you have basically like different parts of the market that are going to adopt technology at different, uh, you know, stages of, of stage of maturity of the technology, right? So you have like these um, 
you know, innovators or early adopters, and then you have like the early majority and late majority of the market at the laggards at the end. But so I believe what actually COVID-19 did is simply like speed up the adoption cycle. So basically from early adopters, we went to like early majority and late majority. Like, so like, I think these adoption cycles like speed up at least of five years. Uh, so accelerated the adoption of the technology. So I think that uh, is a good way to actually picture what happened. Um, so to go back to, to your question, actually how I believe those adoptions are going to, to be uh, and how the technology is going to mature uh, in the next uh, years, I think they're going to be different layers. Uh, so the first layer actually is the, you know, the, the beginning, like the schools at like offline locations. So the one we just talked about. So like with physical books, like whiteboards. And exactly. so that was like the, the, the initial, the, st the starting point, right? So I believe now we are in the, the, the first stage is uh, actually the, going to what's called remote learning. So which means that those schools actually they're continue, they're basically since it was an emergency so from from uh, one day to another they have to figure out how are they going to like continue their like classes online so how do we continue to teach our students online so basically they start adopting tools like zoom or microsoft teams to basically do remote learning so they just continue with the same kind of pedagogical approach so they're still using the same textbook they're still using the same curriculum uh, they just change the way of delivering the, the synchronous part. So instead of being like in a physical room all together, now they are like in a video call or in a video conference. Um, and so that's actually the first stage of the shifting. Um, and these are already like huge because already people they need to start adopting those technological tools. So they need to learn how to do a video call, how to actually use those kind of interactions that are not really natural. So imagine like a 50 year old teacher that's already doing that this job for 25 years, actually it's really difficult to shift already like in the kind of interaction in a classroom. And I think that's, that's really important. But what I believe is going to be there's going to be another layer of change is, and this is going to happen uh, when the schools will realize that the actual tools they're using to teach in this like online setting are actually not the optimal ones. Because actually when you actually digitalize uh, the delivery of uh, the lesson online, you have a lot of things that, uh, a lot of new opportunities because now, for example, you can record the lesson or you can process the content of the lesson, or you can use digital tools during the class interaction to increase engagement. Uh, so you can gamify the experience, or you can create like a self-paced uh, curriculum so the student can actually learn at his own pace because they use all this content is preloaded in the platform and just do like some parts of the like interaction with the teacher in the video call. So I think there are a lot of new tools that comes in the toolkit of a school and uh, that is going to be the huge transformation when actually schools will realize how powerful are those tools and how they can become like a fully online school. And they, because in that way, actually they can acquire new students, they can get more business for their school. And at the same time, they can decrease their costs. So they're going to be like a lot of upside for the schools in order to adopt those kind of technologies. It just takes time to do that. Right, so, but this also involves rethinking their business model because if I'm a school and let's say one of our clients, for instance, that kind of shift their business model. So part of their business was 
we are a language school, but we also enable students to come to this country, visit the, the country. We provide also language training and COVID has actually affected their business. And obviously they had to rethink their business model. Like, okay, what do we do now that students cannot anymore travel to, to this specific country, have this like uh, experience, not only language, but it's also travel. H how do you think like, and many schools have similar business models. Uh, how the way they generate revenue. How do you think this um, change in, and how they should rethink these uh, changes in, in, the, in terms of the business model that they have and generating revenues? Or how is it affected? Yeah, that, that, yeah that, that, that's actually is going to be a huge change uh, uh, because uh, I think like right now, actually, if you think about a funnel, right? Uh, so usually like in marketing, uh, we have this concept of funnel so you have actually like in order to get a client you know in case of the school would be like a paying customer which is a student they need to actually like have different steps so right now actually for an offline language school those different steps of the funnel look pretty much similar which are like uh, okay i have my I don't know, instagram account to do some uh, you know content or some ads i have my landing page which is a static landing page and there i have a form and i can you know, book for a semester in that um, book a trip to go to, to, to the school to study abroad. So that's pretty much how the funnel of a school looks like. Obviously there are some variations of that, but pretty much actually is uh, this kind of like technology stuff, right? Like, so you have social media, you have a, a static website with a form and a payment gateways. So th those are kind of like the technology stuff they're using. I believe actually like now this is, is going to change and how it's going to change is actually the funnel that we look at uh, will be actually like a student will go inside the platform and actually we start experiencing the learning inside the platform. So I believe actually like the time to get the value needs to be decreased. Uh, because now students actually, all the experience is online and so therefore they need to get to the learning which is actually the value that the school is delivering really quickly, right? And this time to value will actually make the difference between the successful school and not successful schools because they're all competing online. And so like if you have a school that has like this a classic funnel, will cannot even like stand in the competition of a school that actually can deliver already the learning experience inside their website. Right, like, and so it can have like a, a full digital platform and deliver like learning experience. And that I believe is going to, the new funnel will look something like this, where like the student gets to the platform, can start actually getting some value, maybe can do like a video call or can, I don't know, get some content, start learning process. And that decide, okay, this school is really good. They, they have really good teachers. They have amazing material. I want to enroll in the program and maybe travel to China or uh, whatever, like go for a, like a study abroad program with that school. And also you have down in the funnel, bottom of the funnel, you continue, the school can use the same technology stack to continue to deliver, not only when the, school, the student actually arrives to the school because they can do blended learning at that point and like deliver homework inside the same platform, giving like, uh, you know, content, they, they can study the platform, but also when the student goes back, the, the school can continue to engage with the student and keep the student engaged. So I believe that the, the, you know, like the most successful schools in the future will be the one that can really integrate their current like experience with the online. It's going to be this kind of like hybrid model where they have actually like online acquisition, 
blended during like their experience in the school and then after the, the school continued to deliver classes to them. Right. Um, so we have assist, we are assisting still to this ubiquitous adoption of technology, mainly Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Google Meet. And for many schools, this seems to be the default choice. So do you see Zoom as a winner in the ad tech market given its advantage? Yeah, actually, um, it's really interesting uh, what Zoom is doing because I think that is uh, providing uh, kind of the new paradigm of online interactions. Uh, you know, like before we had like platforms like uh, I don't know, matchmaking platform like Airbnb or Uber, where you have those platforms, you go there and you find like you match like two sides of a market, right? right? I believe like the new paradigm actually in the 2020 and forward is going to be this kind of like online communication. Uh, where actually like you add a new layer of interaction, which is like a video calls and maybe can also evolve like in virtual reality in the future, but these have this kind of like human to human interaction. So, and this is, it will provide the new horizontal platform uh, where you have actually Zoom is this kind of really horizontal platform. So on top of Zoom, you can have, for example, like a podcast, like the one we're doing. We can have a conference, we can have a concert, we can have uh, online education. So you have all these kind of use cases that are built in the same, in the same kind of interaction, right? So I believe actually on top of this horizontal platform, there are going to be a lot of verticals, right? So there are going to be a lot of vertical use cases where people are going, like companies are going to build like solution that are specific for each one of those use cases. So you have, I don't know, like the specific uh, Zoom for doing um, podcasts. I don't know, I'm just saying like, uh, maybe this is possible, maybe not, maybe already exists, but you can have like the Zoom to do concerts, you have the Zoom to do like uh, university lectures. And what we are building is actually like the Zoom for online language learning. So, and because like our technology is actually like really specific for that specific use case. And uh, I believe that is going to be the, the future of, uh, you know, the new digital ecosystem. Besides the challenges yeah. that many schools are facing right now, which is uh, getting students via online ads and social media channels, there is also another underlying problem that we encounter many times when talking with many managing directors of language schools or schools in general, which is students engage, which is the one that they tell us it's the student engagement and retention. And to some degree also yeah. managing the teachers and students. So, but because many students also deem that the quality of a online class via Zoom is not as qualitatively engaging as a class done uh, offline. But how do you think that this problem could be tackled and why and what is the optimal technological solution? Yeah, so I think these are really interesting problem because actually, you know, in this transition from offline to remote learning, obviously you have a lot of things that are missing because Zoom doesn't provide, for example, uh, like uh, activities uh, that you can do with the students to keep them engaged. Whereas like if you're in a physical room, you can, you know, create activities to engage students to, you know, create games. So you pair people together or you, know, you create all these kind of um, learning, learning activities that makes the, the class engaging. And obviously when you go in an online setting is uh, a lot of those things are actually missing. So I believe uh, that 
there are going to be a lot of uh, tools that will emerge in order to solve this specific problem of engagement. So I can tell you what are the tools that uh, I, I think it will be useful because we're building some of them. But of course, there are going to be many, many of those tools emerging in the next years. So it's really interesting actually to see what people come up, come up with. But I believe that this specific problem of engagement is the number one problem. If you fix that, actually, you're going to, like adoption will go really fast because actually people will get really hooked with the, in the, in the, with the platform. So I believe one of the ways to fix this is actually like gamification. And so like creating like this kind of learning activities inside the, the, the class, like in the video lesson, for example, like you have all these linguistic games and you make people like points, badges, leaderboard, right? So that's a classical way, uh, like a simple way of doing gamification and quiz engagement. Another way I think is going to be personalization. Personalization because, uh, um, I mean, this is the, the, one of the core technology we, we develop as Go, and we already, over the years, I mean, you know really well, as well as I do, personalization is something that is really, really important for students, um, because people actually want to learn specific knowledge. Most of the time, when they actually like to learn, for example, language, uh, they want to learn a specific topic because they want to use that language in order to accomplish a real-world task. and. Um, one of the things that you cannot do offline is actually like really personalize the experience because I mean the tools that you have offline are just like limited to uh, you know paper and pen and maybe you have a you know PowerPoint in case you are like more advanced. But what you can do online is actually like you can generate content that is specific for that student. And uh, that is really, really important to increase engagement. So one of the solutions we built for that uh, we have in Edugon is uh, this uh, technology that actually automatically generates content after a video call. For example, right now we are having a video call, right? So imagine I'm, I'm going to teach you some uh, language. I'm going to teach you English, right? Like uh, our system actually uh, understands the language. So for example, in, in this case, uh, it will understand that I'm speaking about uh, technology, for example. Uh, and. Uh, he will also understand what is the student actually like weaknesses during the, during the class. And automatically after the video call will be over, our system analyze the content of the conversation and the lesson and will automatically generate a lot of uh, different kinds of uh, exercises with the content that is relevant uh, from uh, for that student because it comes from the, less, the actual lesson that uh, we did. And that is proven uh, to improve uh, uh, retention and engagement. Students, when they get actually like a really personalized uh, content, they will get hooked because they will go back every time to go and check what's going on inside the, you know, to get that content because it's really useful for them. So those are the two ones, two, two big uh, areas. So gamification and personalization that I see can increase a lot of engagement. Yeah, we, we've seen this, like uh, personalization and gamification has been, have been the core guiding principles to the technology we've been uh, developing uh, over, over this uh, period of time. Um, do, do you think like the aspect of personalization to some degree can be, uh, let's say, mixed with um, if there are like more what because personalization it's one-to-one -one, what we've seen 
but how much personalization can be delivered in the context of one-to-many because we've seen this many schools like adopting this remote learning in a one-to-many um, uh, setting kind of do you think like yeah. this element of personalization can be kept in such environment or it kind of like decreases uh, i think it is um it can be kept absolutely um i mean for example in our system what we do is um, you know we store information about each student performance so you know like you go in our platform you can do different kind of uh, like exercises uh, we call modules right like you have what you can do the speaking exercise the listening exercise the vocabulary exercise the reading writing so uh, grammar so you can pr practice all like those different like skills with different interactive exercises and we actually, every time a student is doing one of those exercises, we are saving that information. So we know which words the student go, uh, knows well, which words it doesn't know that well. And so we build this kind of like personalized profiles of each student with all this information. So for us, actually, uh, what we, we do in a class setting is like we do, a, you know, the teacher is teaching a class, right? So you will bring some topics in the conversation. What we'll do after the class is over, we have a filter. So each different student will actually get some aspect of that lesson, depending on what are the strong points or weak points. So it's kind of like you have uh, this, uh, you know, class with that content. Maybe it's fixed because, you know, the teacher has to teach to 20 students at the same time. So cannot personalize to each single student, but then is the, the, the filter like the technological filter we have after the class is over that actually will provide the specific content for each student. So personalization can be kept in that way. So there is no trade-off to some degree, you would say? Uh, yeah, because actually um, technology allow the personalization to each single student. So what? technology is, is powerful for them, yeah. Uh, one of the main questions that I do ask uh, many language schools manager is how do you set yourself apart from the competition? And often they go, oh, well, we have 35 years of experience or we have XYZ certifications or we are accredited to XYZ school. And I think when they tell me this, I think, okay, there is no real unfair advantage or reason for me as a student to actually join your school rather than your competitors. So if I'm a school manager and I have to decide on which software to use in order not only to do online learning, but also to set myself apart from the competition or even try to escape competition, uh, how will Edgo set my school apart from the competition? Yeah, actually, what we are doing at Edugo is uh, helping language schools getting more customers online. And um, I mean, the, the way we're doing that is uh, at different stages of the funnel. So the, the answer to that is like, we're going to do that both in a acquisition stage, like so when you actually get a new customer inside your funnel, and then you are going to help the schools also in the retention stage. Uh, and those are like the two big areas. Obviously, we can break it down or more into like the specific steps of the funnel, but actually those are the two big areas where we help language schools. Uh, in the acquisition stage, so when we actually like a school wants to get a new customer, for example, 
uh, can use our software to you know build um, white label solutions. So it means like the the website of the school will com look completely like um, customized for that school. So you have your logo, domain name, colors, and all the like the branding that you will imagine in a personalized website. Um, and then we actually built a really um, in some sense like data-driven funnel where we actually measure each single step from when the student landed to your web page to when actually like gets the value of the platform so start to learn something to get to the payment point we measure each single step we measure each single event in a way that we are going we optimize those single steps in order to maximize conversion so that's one way one thing that we do really well because we work a lot on the user experience we have many years actually experience acquiring users online uh, because we we also have uh, had our own like b2c platform and actually like we did many many iterations to understand what is the best funnel in order to convert to users we did hundreds of like talk to those students we are also students ourselves of languages we are really passionate about learning languages we understand really well that specific customer and we build that kind of experience being really data driven in order to maximize conversion and that is actually like on the acquisition phase so now you have a platform where you can push google ads facebook ads you can actually promote it on your social media you can do literally whatever you want and you own the customer you own the data that they actually like building the platform and you can actually monitor the conversions the second big part uh, that we're working uh, we are helping schools is actually in the retention phase and retention actually is even more important than acquisition because uh, especially online where you don't have a, a student coming to your school is really really important to be re to deliver like a world-class experience for that student so it doesn't switch and go to another school because that's another critical aspect that the switching cost once you move online becomes really high really low <laughs> switching costs are really low so students can actually like really easily say okay i don't want anymore to go in your school i go to other school and actually what our platform does really well is like you know building a personalized experience for the student so from the very first moment the students start using the platform it start accumulating like data inside the platform so the platform start to personalizing the experience for that specific student so we start to learn what are the words he knows what are the words he doesn't know what are the access the strong skills weak skills and also start to learn what is the content that is more relevant for him. So I, I don't know, for example, if you are an automotive engineer in China, learning Chinese, it will actually learn what are the specific vocabulary you're interested in. And that content actually builds up. So you start building this kind of like really personalized experience. So we are actually increasing the, the switching costs. Now for a student actually uh, you know, switching from your school to another, to the competitor, it's going to be really painful because it will lose all this information and for him is really valuable because accumulate all this data information that increases the experience for him so those are the two main aspects and um, that we are helping language schools succeed online 
how do you think like the process of digitalization what what are the common mistakes that many language schools or education institutions do or make when they try to digitalize and how or adopt technology and how this um mistakes could be mitigated yeah um i mean uh, there are actually a lot of mistakes um and the reason the, the reason is simply because the industry of uh, like technology like technological industry is completely different from uh, like education industry uh, you know like so it's a really different to way that you need to approach uh, like building digital products um is some of the things really sounds counterintuitive some of the time so like really you know school manager are not equipped with the right kind of like expertise in order to build digital platforms and i believe that the main the biggest mistakes that the school managers do is actually to think about building their own digital platform and i've seen really this pattern over and over i'm sure you did too like talking to school managers um many of them uh, in the past tried to you know hire a developer and build their like dream platform and after many years of really painful like dealing with developers try to build like a website bring some users in they understand that it is like really difficult to do that and they fail and so they lose a lot of money and time on doing that and that's really like painful so I see this over and over, and every time like I find a school manager that didn't go through the process, I try to advise them like, please don't do that. I mean, not because you have to be our customer, but just because I don't want you to waste all this time and energy. Maybe you, your school will fail as a consequence of that. Even though like, if you want to really build like a technological solution, you can even go to like you know some uh, other persons doing that. Like you don't have to buy from us but please don't do it by yourself because that is going to be really painful yeah. and uh, in fact some like the majority of the schools that adopt our technology are the one that already went through the process of building something by themselves and that's actually like a partner that i see over and over it seems like you know they they will understand fully only when they go through the process but i mean if you're a school manager and you're listening to this Please don't do that because you're going to go through a lot of pain. Yeah, we've seen that it's kind of frustrating to see some school managers going through this process, getting a little bit burned because technology is not their core aspect or core uh, knowledge. And this is actually one of the reasons that I remember really well of why we, instead of going from the B2C, we went to the other direction with the B2C and we mm -hmm. analyzed, okay, what is our strength? okay, our strength is actually not providing language education, but I still build technology that enhances language education. And that's why I remember really clear this transition from B2C and B2B that we, we embarked with. Um, yeah. I always try to think about like a DNA of a company. So each different company, like each company has a DNA. For example, our company has clearly a technology DNA because, you know, like me, myself, I'm a technical person. So like from day one, actually, we really focus on technology. We really focus on building like innovative, like uh, digital technology. And I believe that 
DNA is something that will never change. It's like actually is from the moment of birth, from the, what the founders actually give to the company. And the, actually the um, schools uh, have the, the pedagogical DNA. And I think that's super valuable. Uh, and I think that really what sets schools apart is the fact that they have like, uh, you know, knowledge and expertise uh, in uh, like teaching. Like that's the, the, the thing that they do the best. So I believe that if a school really want to digitalize, they need to partner with a company that actually has a um, uh, digital or like technological DNA. Uh, that's the reason why actually, as you said, we shifted and we say, why we need to compete with schools where actually we're doing something completely different. Let's just like partner with school and empower them to actually like deliver a better experience for students. Like talking about DNA beliefs and so on and so forth, on a personal note, on a personal level, what is the impact that you want to have as a founder? And this is the last question that I usually ask to all my guests. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, I, I believe it goes back to the definition of leadership that is, for me is actually like leaving people better off because they stay with you. Like your presence make people better, you know, like, and that's actually what I really would, would like to be my legacy for the world is like, even I, even though like it's one person, two persons, or like one, I don't know, 100 million people, uh, I would like to really influence people to become better and try to unlock their potential. So that's the kind of impact I want to have in the world. And uh, the, the reason why I actually want to build a technological company in the education space is because actually technology can help to achieve this impact in a larger scale. So I can have like, uh, I can impact more people and help people to uh, express their potential. But uh, even though like I managed to help one single person to, you know, achieve their full uh, potential, like to, to become a better person, I think that would be really a big success for me. So yeah, that's as a founder is the, the kind of change I want to see in the world. Um, that, yeah, and that's what motivates me. I can really like happy to work in a company that really aligned with what is my, you know, the, the change I want to make in this world. And change you did make uh, by working with you, learning from you, I feel I'm unlocking my potential still every day, <laughs> more and more. Okay. And, and Thank you. I feel successful for that. I think you, you did a great, great progress. Uh, you're doing great. So I'm really happy that, you know, like, yeah, you are becoming the person that you are. Thank you, Giuseppe, very much for joining the Founders Club podcast. It was really delightful to have you on and share about what we are doing with the world. Thank you so much, George. It was a great pleasure.